Hey, welcome everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. And uh, we've kind of moved places a little bit. We're recording from the studios of KNNA at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. As we kind of work out some of the nuts and bolts of the uh, yeah, the recording and all this stuff, I'm joined by Pastor Adam Aline and Pastor Clint Poppy. So welcome, guys. Good to have you here. Yeah, good to be here with you. It's a great honor and a great privilege, Pastor. I'm, I'm very pleased that you are going to join me here for Table Talk. We're going to, over the next few weeks, we're going to do a series called Lutheranism 101. And if that doesn't have people turn off the radio, well, then I don't know what will. But we're going <laughs> to do that anyway. <laughs> Real church growthy name yeah, that's there, right. Pastor. And we're going to just follow the six chief parts of the uh, catechism. So right off the bat, it's Ten Commandments, gentlemen. And so let's start off with Adam. Why in the world does Luther begin with the Ten Commandments and the small catechism? I mean, surely, wouldn't you want to start with baptism or something like that? I think it's a good thing for us to know where we start, uh, who we are uh, already uh, before we get into the uh, the healing and the, the, the cure. We've got to know the sickness that we have. And, and for that reason, I think it's wise that Martin Luther puts the uh, Ten Commandments at the beginning that uh, uh, define our sin and tell us where we've gone against God's Word and uh, uh, help us know our identity uh, as sinners first. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. What, sinners? Are you kidding me? Really, are you quite serious? I because, am. Because I ask that because, generally speaking, in the church these days, they, they identify themselves as the welcoming place. And welcoming place generally means just come as you are, judgment-free zone. It's like when you go work out at the gym, judgment-free zone. But it sounds like you're you're doing something different here. Yeah, I... Uh, um I see those signs as well everywhere. Every church is the most welcoming place in the world, and yet uh, Jesus is the one that we ought to listen to who says, uh, I came uh, for sinners, uh, just as the sick are the ones who need a doctor, I came for sinners, and that's who I came for. Uh, and so it's important for us to remember that when we are talking about ourselves. We have to be sinners if we want Jesus to be our Savior. Yeah, that's a very important point. <clears throat> now, one thing, Clint, I want let's to let's have you talk about this. Now, Adam said that the Ten Commandments are put at the beginning of the small catechism to reveal who we are, our identity as sinners. Now, where, does that, where is that in the Bible? I mean, good grief. Does the Bible actually teach that? Does the Bible actually teach that we are sinners? Or, or that, that the law I... actually says that we're sinners or reveals our sin? Is that in the Scriptures? I mean, he's made a categorical assertion, but he didn't give me any Bible. So yeah, let's there, have you there, say the there Bible are, here. There are multiple places. Uh, there is no one who is righteous, no, not one. In uh, Romans chapter 3, there is no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Uh, and this is not something that we grow into or that we learn how to do. Psalm 51, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the moment of my conception. And so scripture is very clear. Okay, let's, let's clinch this even further. You've he, given us roundabout Bible texts, but give me a text from the scripture that actually says that the law or the Ten Commandments do what Adam said. I'm thinking Romans 3 to give you a hint. Okay. Um, but the law doesn't save us. I'm looking at Romans 3. It's verses oh, 20, 21, and that general area. That's so, what I'm looking at. So, so, so what, you're, what you're talking about is uh, not, not only that we are by nature sinful, but the fact that uh, the law or rules and regulations, how we live our lives, is, uh, is not what defines us, not what saves us, not what gives us 
hope, hope in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. What's it say there, like in Romans 1, verses like 19 and 5? Pardon me, Romans 3, part Romans 3, 19 is where I was going. Good. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Ah, that's where I wanted to go, you see. So Adam, Pastor Moline, made a categorical assertion that Luther puts the Ten Commandments at the beginning of the catechism to show us who we are, sinners. And you quoted some passages like Psalm 51, etc., that, that teach that. But now we clinch this, don't we? This is, a, this is what the scriptures teach. The, and, and in connection with that, Adam, that verse that Clint just read, so the law doesn't save us then? No, not at all. The law, uh, the way we teach it in uh, confirmation, at least the way I teach it, is the law shows us our sin. Uh, it shows us where we fall short. It tells us what perfection is, and when we uh, look at that, we realize that we don't come up with that perfection within ourselves, uh, that we don't accomplish it, and that we, in fact, are unable to be perfect and to keep all that law. Right. And this is very important because we live in a world where everybody lives under the law, as Paul says in Romans 3. And so what happens is is that people always want to justify themselves, don't they, Clint? They do, and the more we talk in our efforts to justify ourselves, the digger the the bigger the ditch is that we uh, we dig for ourselves. And that's why it's so important in Romans 3 where it talks about how every mouth will be stopped. <laughs> I just think that is, I mean, uh, you know, not, not that long ago, we have maybe still burned into our memories the, uh, the, the people talking over one another at the Kavanaugh hearings. And everybody's hollering and screaming, and nobody is listening to anyone. Well, Pastor Moline said before, uh, we're to listen to Jesus, not to ourselves, not to our heart, not to our emotions. And God's word, God's word of law shuts us up. Right. We have nothing to say. It quiets us. It stops our mouth. And when our mouth isn't going, our ears have an opportunity to hear. So it's kind of like when the parent says to the kid, you know, the kid... uh the kid misses curfew and gets drunk at night and comes home, and mom and dad are waiting for him right there at the door when they show up. Where were you? Oh, I can smell it. Oh, I know what you were doing. And then the kid starts making excuses and talks and talks and talks. Yep. And then mom and dad say, yeah, mom and dad then say, be quiet. That's enough. No more back talk. This is what God does with the Ten Commandments. He tells all of us sinners who are trying to justify ourselves, yeah, but. Listeners, yeah, but the devil made me do it. Or, you know, my mom, oh, if she wouldn't have potty trained me that way, my God, I would have never acted like this. Or it's the pastor <laughs> I've got. Oh, he's horrible. If I wouldn't have such a horrible pastor, I, I wouldn't have done this. And, and so the Ten Commandments, God says, be quiet. Listen to me. And in connection with that, he holds us accountable to himself, as the text says. So, Pastor, uh, what, you, what you are putting forth here is that the structure of the catechism, the organization, the flow of the catechism with the Ten Commandments coming first is important. Yeah, exactly. And as Pastor Moline, I think he said it, 
if, if we don't know that we're a sinner, or if we won't tell the truth that we're a sinner, then we don't need who? Who'd you say? Jesus, yeah. <laughs> if, uh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we uh, say we have no sin, we make God a liar, because uh, he's the one who really says that we are the ones who have sin. And uh, all that is to uh, point us not inward, uh, not to our own works or thoughts or anything about us, but instead uh, to free us up to see Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So right off the bat, when we do uh, Lutheranism 101, (laughs) we observe that the scriptures through the Ten Commandments teach us that we are sinners. And that's a truth that we can't comprehend on our own. That's a truth that has to be revealed by the Word of God, which is also very important because if you're not a if you're not a believer and you're not or let's put it this way, if you're not listening to the Word of God, you'll never come to the conclusion that I'm a sinner that deserves God's temporal and eternal punishment. Mostly, let's just run with this for a second. If uh, if you're not hearing the Word of God or if you're not a believer, just run with that. Uh, you you'll say, well, you know. <clears throat> I'm not perfect, Reverend, you know, but but I'm certainly not like Poppy, you know, or I'm not like Moline (laughs) (laughs) or Kuhlman. That's how people talk, you see. We want to compare ourselves to others rather than compare ourselves to the Word of God or to the God who says, be holy, be perfect, as I, the Lord, your God, am holy. If, if If we can focus on someone else, rather than ourself or on God or his word, we can always feel good about ourselves. We can always find somebody who's a bigger sinner than we are. And that's a backwards way of justifying ourselves, right. justifying our own action, and taking the focus off of God and his word. Right. So this is why Luther puts the Ten Commandments at the beginning of the small catechism. To tell the truth of Scripture about who people are before God the old fancy way of talking about is coram deo, that we're sinners who desperately need a savior. All right, now let's let's push this a little further. We've got a few more minutes. Let's uh, let's let's talk. We'll look at the commandments individually here uh, a little bit later today or in the following weeks. But we're just making some flyby observations and uh, just taking a look at this stuff in general to begin. So I'm going to direct uh, my uh, comments here to Pastor Moline here. Uh, this week. Is it, uh, does God have other uses for the Ten Commandments besides showing us that we're sinners? Definitely, uh, God does. I mean, we start uh, by admitting our sin and seeing uh, who we are, uh, but there's also other uses of the law uh, besides just uh, revealing our sin, and that is only then applied to one who has also heard um, the word of God about Jesus Christ crucified and risen to take away all sins. Uh, when we find our justification in Jesus, the law then describes our identity as a Christian. It tells us what we look like as a Christian. And so uh, when the Christian who finds his salvation only in Jesus, uh, here's uh, one of God's laws. Uh, for example, uh, you shall not murder. Uh, that defines who they are as a Christian. And they, they seek not to murder. They seek not to hate. They seek not to harm. They seek to help their neighbor in need uh, because Christ has justified them and because they love Christ. And Jesus is the one who does that par excellence. Well, let's push that. Okay, so 
we, we've observed one use that God has with the Ten Commandments. That's to show us our sin. And we, we Sometimes call that called a, the theological right, use. Yeah, right, exactly. And what Pastor Moline has delineated is what is normally called in Lutheran circles a third use of a the law. A third use or, or sanctification, right. that, that kind of an aspect. Right. Clay, can you give us a biblical example? Well, you, you gave, let's push the fifth commandment because Moline pushed fifth commandment. There you go. How does the small catechism define what he just suggested in the third use? Can you okay. do that? Well, the, the, the fifth commandment talks about murder. You shall not murder. And this is a commandment that a lot of people love to go to. And they say, you know, I, I, I may have fudged on some of these other commandments, but here is one. Here is one that I have kept because I have not physically with a knife, with a gun, with poison, with uh, a rope, I have not physically killed anyone. So finally, I found a commandment that I have kept. But Luther, uh, based on Scripture, teaches us that keeping the fifth commandment is not only not murdering, but it is fear, love, and trusting God so that we would not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but defend him and protect him. And so um, murdering our neighbor is not only done physically, but it's done with our mind and it's done with our words. So we break the fifth commandment when we hate or we harbor a grudge against our neighbor. We break the fifth commandment when we see our neighbor in peril, in need, and we don't step forward to help them. Right. And so the fifth commandment, I think, is a, is a great example that teaches us that the, the commandments are not just a, a particular thing that we can check mark off, that we've done this or we've done that, but it teaches us the holistic nature of that new identity that we have in Christ Jesus to protect our own body and to protect the bodies of our neighbors. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, we've got a couple minutes left. So with the fifth commandment, it's illustrated quite clearly the use that we talked about earlier, you should not murder. Okay. And it, it actually reveals you actually do do it. Jesus references this in Matthew 5, you know, with these people who, who you said, well, I've never murdered. And then Jesus says, well, you've heard of old and says you should not murder, but anyone who ha- hates, hates his brother or says, you says fool, or you're a fool. And then, of course, John in his epistle tells us that, that uh, Cain, of course, hated his brother Abel. And so Cain already had murdered his brother in his heart before he took whatever weapon. But the, the other point before we go to a break and we'll be hearing the music here, no doubt, in a, in a short, short minute or two or a second or so. But the other point is the third use is we as Christians want to preserve life from the womb to the very end of life. And an example of that as we go to a break would be Psalm 119. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. We've got more to say. We'll come back after the break. So hang on tight. Welcome back, everybody. Again, this is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. I'm Pastor Brent Kuhlman, and I'm also joined with uh, Pastor Clint Poppy and Pastor Adam Moline. Those guys serve Good Shepherd in Lincoln, and I serve Trinity in Murdoch, Nebraska. It's great to be with you. Again, we're beginning uh, a series of talks, Table Talks on Lutheranism 101. 
We're going to go through the six chief parts of the small catechism. We've just started our discussion on the Ten Commandments, the the first chief part that's in the small catechism. We've observed some scripture that uh, the Ten Commandments are given for various reasons. One is to show us that we are sinners, Romans 3. And as Pastor Moline pointed out, that's very important because without knowing and confessing the truth that we are sinners, we don't need Jesus the Savior. We also observed in our previous segment that uh, there's another use that God has with the Ten Commandments, and this is, this is a, a guide or instruction, if you will. That is to say, Christians want to do what God says in his word, and that includes the Ten Commandments. So, because we are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ, we want to live by faith toward God, first three commandments, and then we want to live towards other people in love. So with our parents, we're going to honor them. And other authorities, we're going to honor them. We're going to protect and preserve life. We're going to uh, make sure that we're faithful in our marriage, etc. That's how this works. Now, there's another use that God has. And I say that, that God has, and I say that on purpose so that everybody understands this. They're not my uses of the law. They're not Pastor Poppy's uses of the law. This is, these are the uses that God does. These are the things that he does to people, or I like to put this way, his good use with his Ten Commandments. So showing us our sin, the theological use, um, like a mirror, if you will, or a CAT scan or an X-ray. And then the third use, um, as a guide, we want to do what God's Word says. I, I reference Psalm 19. Now, there's another use, and we call this the civil use. And I'm looking at 1 Timothy, and I'm just going to read that real, carefully, real closely, and then I want you guys to comment. I'm in 1 Timothy chapter 1. It's verse 8. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Now when Paul says law here, he means Ten Commandments. Understanding this, that the law, that is to say the Ten Commandments, is not laid down for the just. That means the people who, like for example, if, you, if, you're, if the speed limit's 75 and you're doing 75, the patrolman's not going to pull you over. He'll leave you alone. If you don't take a gun and shoot people in the head, you're not going to be arrested and go to jail. That's what Paul means. So I, re- I repeat, if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just. That is, to again, to say, if you honor your parents, if you're faithful in your marriage, generally speaking, life's going to go pretty well for you. Okay? But it's rather for the lawless, the disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality. Uh, don't let that leak out, fellas, or they're going to shut you down. You know, the FCC is <laughs> going to shut you down for saying that. Anyway, that's an inside joke. Enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Now, Clint, say more about this, would you please? Yeah, this is uh, oftentimes referred to as the first use of the law, and I was kind of surprised that we started with the second. But, I mean, as good Lutherans, that's where we start. The first use of the law is the, the universal use of the law, the civil use of the law. It is sometimes described as a curb, and you have a curb on the side of a street, and you know yourself that if you're playing on your cell phone or putting on your makeup, <laughs> or if he's a, not talking about reading the newspaper, uh, that's if, what I've seen. That's if a, uh, if really. A, big glob of mayonnaise from your Big Mac falls on your shirt <laughs> and you take the eyes off, your eyes off the road and you hit the curb, what happens? You get shocked and rocked right back into your lane. If you're going so out of control that you hit the curb, you might get a flat tire 
and you uh, break the rim. You, you stop right there. If you're on a bicycle, you might go flying uh, into a heap in the ditch, but it keeps you from driving into a semi. And so this curb curbs gross outbreaks of sin. It is to curb uh, chaos, lawlessness, anarchy uh, among us. And this is why we have the law. This is the first use of the law. This is universal. It is for all people, for all time. And without this first use of the law, it would be very, very difficult to live our lives in any kind of normalcy or any kind of peace. All right. So, Pastor Moline, would it be, would it be correct to say then that this, with this first use, um, God is taking care of people? Would that be correct? It is in a in a way, um, you know. So back to our fifth commandment there, um, uh, with murder, God's using that first use to, um, uh, <laughs> if to keep people from murdering other people, to have uh, that law that uh, says it's wrong to murder and that you ought not do that. And uh, um, I don't know, you know, if you murder someone, you're going to go to jail. And and in that way, he is protecting. Yeah. me from a murderer potentially like you and so um, when, when we have when we have promises that are associated with the law like the fourth commandment honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth one of the reasons why he can give this promise is when we have a world of order because our God is a God of order he is protecting us and caring for us so that we don't live in anarchy, we don't live in chaos, but we live peaceful lives, and because of that, we'll live longer lives. And connected with that would be like uh, the fourth commandment. You have, you have different kinds of authority. You have parental yeah. authority, and you have civic or civil authority. And so back to the fifth commandment, there, you, know, you said if, if you murder, you're going to go to jail. Well, and and, and you, have, you have your conscience, too, that tells you that this is probably not right. a good thing to do. That's right. And that's where um, God has written that law onto your heart. Um, this is the when you uh, break the lamp uh, in your living room when you're a kid playing football with your, your brothers, uh, you have that feeling in the pit of your stomach that mom and dad are not going to be happy when they get home that conscience that says this was this was dumb you shouldn't have done this that's that's part of that use being used uh god using that in your heart okay so we we've observed that luther puts the ten commandments first in the six chief parts in the small catechism and we've observed why he does that number one as we've just discussed there's a civil use of the ten commandments and that's expressed in the fourth commandment in particular. There's a theological use, which all the commandments do. They, they show us that we are sinners who desperately need a Savior. And then the third use from first, uh, pardon me, from like Psalm 51, etc. Um, we as Christians want to do what is God-pleasing. And so those are the three uses. Now, Clint, you've mentioned this to me before, so I'm going to throw, throw this at you. you know, why is... Why is it important? Let's give. Let's talk about this some more. Why it's so important that Luther puts the Ten Commandments first? Because I remember, like you, we're old men. You know, we're about ready for the nursing home. You know, you came in with your walker, I think, and you're you're popping all these pills all the time. I'm kind of worried about you. You know, yeah. <laughs> back in the old <laughs> put days. your teeth back in your mouth, Clint. Um, but yeah, when we were when we were young or young men. In the church, there was this reordering of the chief parts. Can you talk about, talk yeah, about I, that? 
I, I remember this distinctly because uh, back in the mid-80s or so, and I don't know if that's when CPH published it or if in our little parochial school in West Point, if we finally could afford it. And there were self-publications that did what you're and about the, to and say And there were self-publications well. Yes. as well. But this was even authorized by the church. Uh, Concordia Publishing House had a curriculum both for day school and for midweek classes that reordered the six chief parts and did not start with the uh, chief parts as we generally learned them with the Ten Commandments, then the Apostles' Creed, and then the Lord's Prayer, Uh, the, the promises that are made uh, by baptismal sponsors and parents. Uh, that is the general order, and this is the way it's been in the church for a long time. Uh, back, 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 to back to the, the Reformation. Back That's to the switch. Reformation, absolutely. Yeah. But in the, in the 70s and mid-80s, there was a reordering. And so uh, in conjunction with the publishing of Lutheran worship, the new hymnal, Lutheran book of worship, this ecumenical movement that was moving through the country, there was a reordering so that the first uh, of the six chief parts that you studied was not the Ten Commandments, but was holy baptism. Uh, baptismal identity, which is which is very good, which is very positive, which is very important for us. This our de- our identity uh, with Christ in the baptismal waters was put first, and the Ten Commandments were relegated to uh, second class citizenship, and. Uh, I've observed this and I've noticed this with self-publication now uh, where pastors get bored with the order of the the six chief parts and want to be creative. And we've had this discussion. So, Pastor, what's the problem? What's the problem here? Why why is this a bad thing? Well, I suspect that this happened because uh, the dates that you mentioned, and it even goes back further, it goes back to the 60s and the 70s where there's a denial of... uh, calling people sinners categorically. Uh, That's just not friendly. You're not going to grow a church if you actually preach the law the way God intended it to be, namely to kill 2 Corinthians and other passages. And and another reason I think why they did this, well intended, but it's it's a lack of theological integrity and maybe even uh, knowledge. The acumen has, has, has gone away. Namely, the denial of the third use of the law as well. And so there was really no need for the law at all. But ironically, however, <laughs> they became very nomian or law people. But Adam, you're shaking your head. You, you want to say something about this? Well, it, I mean, even if you started with baptism, which which I think is out of order, you can't do so without also knowing the fourth part of baptism that indicates the old Adam in us should by daily contrition die uh, and be drowned in the waters of baptism. What is that old Adam? That that You have to go to the law first to know who that is, to know that, that that's the one that is in sin, that is against God. And, and so you can't really begin with baptism because there's terms you haven't defined yet. Right. And I'm, I'll push this one more way. And hopefully it'll be coherent and cogent. <laughs> you know, when the old man talks about these things, sometimes they're not very cogent, so I'll do my best. There's a reason why Luther does this. You have Ten Commandments and the Creed. There's law and gospel, and they are to be properly distinguished. See, this is what Luther's driving at, and this is what gets lost, I would contend, when you shift the chief parts. Namely, you no longer properly distinguish between the law and the gospel. We observed that from Romans that the law doesn't save, and we could quote tons of passages. Just do your concordance study, folks. The Ten Commandments don't save anybody before God. 
And so properly distinguishing, you've got to use the law properly, showing you your sin, and then the creed follows, which shows us who God is and what he's done for us. And in particular, for the sake of our discussion now, he has redeemed sinners through his son, Jesus Christ, or he has redeemed his fallen creatures and sanctified them, third article talk. And the reason why this is so important for Luther is to teach what the Bible also says is so that sinners will be justified how? By faith alone in Jesus Christ and then live by faith, as Paul says in Romans 1 and in his letter to the Galatians. So I hope that makes sense. I'm going to say it one more time. The, the reason why Luther does Ten Commandments and Creed next is, to, is so that everybody will live by faith alone, and that is properly distinguishing the law and the gospel. If we don't start with the Ten Commandments, God's law can become symbolic. Or an instrument of salvation itself. Or an instrument this of is, salvation This is the dilemma. And then you're not saved by faith alone. See, that's what's going on here, in my opinion. And what's and what's law and the the law is studied to extol Christ and His work, how He has fulfilled the law for us and paid the penalty for our breaking of the law. The law isn't our friend. The law isn't our buddy. Uh, the law must kill us, and that is that is what we all avoid. No one wants to be killed. No one wants to embrace the death. This is the Lutheran. This is the Lutheran difference. As we come to the, to, to the end of our segment here, this is the Lutheran difference. This is why Lutheranism makes a difference in the world. God created Lutherans for a reason, folks. I'm here to, I mean that. He created Lutherans for a reason. It's so that we will teach the church that sinners are justified only by faith in Jesus Christ. And you can only do that when you properly distinguish between the law and the gospel. Check that out, folks. People who don't talk like this, properly distinguishing, justification by faith alone gets lost. Well, folks, stay Lutheran. We'll talk to you again.